Welcome to the New Beginnings Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit our Facebook page. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, today as we've done many Easter's, we do a tag team. I don't know if you can see my brother Paul over here and pastor behind me. We do a tag team sermon for Easter, and, and we've, I don't know how many years, 15 years or, or more, maybe maybe longer, we've done this, and like my other brother James was involved years ago, and we might have done a four-way tag team, and and uh, just a, a great time we get to have and, and break down the message, and we always do a different aspect and of different things, parts of the Resurrection Sunday. So today, Pastor uh, really had on his heart for us to preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So I'm going to op- do the opening this morning, and then I'm going to preach, share just a moment on the death, and then uh, Paul's going to preach on the burial, and pastor's going to preach on the resurrection. And we want you to just follow this story along this morning. If you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. I think we're going to put it up on the screen on Facebook also. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4 is our opening text this morning for this tag team sermon. It says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Three pillars of our faith. The gospel message, come on, in a nutshell, as some would say. Part, it became part of the Apostles' Creed. That helps define who and what the Christian church is and believes. The message of he's alive might have been the first message spoken, but it was spoken to individuals and small crowds here and there. But the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection was really the first sermon ever preached. In Acts chapter 2, we're not going to turn there, but you've, you've heard it many times. It was called the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up in the midst of Jerusalem. A man who at one time denied that he even knew the Christ. That he even knew Jesus. A man who was previously overcome by fear. Now stood filled with faith and not fear. Come on, in a resurrected king. He declared in front of thousands who had gathered from many different cities, nations, tongues, uh, even different religions. They had gathered on this day in this city and, and he stood up in the midst of them. And he cried something like this, Jesus of Nazareth. Whom you crucified was approved by God and walked among you, doing many signs and wonders and miracles you took with wicked hands. You crucified and you buried him. But God has raised him from the dead and made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He went on and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children. And as many as are far off that will call on the name. That's above every name. Come on, at the name of Jesus. Come on, if you call on his name, the Bible says you will be saved. That was the first message of the church. And I believe it should be the last message of the church. Till our dying breath, that is the message that we as Christ followers should preach. From every pulpit, from every language and nation, from all different backgrounds, that is the message of this Bible. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. 
I'm a little excited today. Woke up this morning. Easter Sunday just gets me excited. He's alive. He's alive. I woke up blasting the song from Clint Brown from years ago. He got up. One of my favorite Easter songs. My kids all heard it this morning. How many times you play that song, Dad? Just on repeat. Put it on in the car on the way over. He got up. He got up. It's time we put down the little arguments that divide us. Whether just in our own church or churches all across the planet. The little arguments and beliefs that separate this church from that church. And we return once again to a blood-stained cross. A borrowed tomb and a risen king. That is the message of the church. Amen. It's the same message our fathers heard. Our grandfathers heard. Our great-grandfathers heard and maybe even preached. It's kept generation after generation through every war, through every hardship, through every natural disaster, through every virus that's ever come our way. The message of the death, burial, and resurrection. It is the gospel of Christ. There is nothing else. Nothing else like it. No other way. Our method has changed, especially this year, but our message is the same. The gospel of Christ. Someone said recently, regarding all that's been going on around the world, said new problems can still be solved with an old answer. Find the oldest Bible you've got and read it for answers for today. Find the oldest Bible you've got and you'll hear the freshest, best news. Amen? The answers for today are still found in this book. Amen. So before they get up and speak, I'm going to speak briefly. That was my introduction. I'm going to speak briefly on the death. Returning to our first part of the opening text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just verse 3, it says, Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth. He says, For I delivered you first of all that which I also received. He goes on to say that Christ died for our sins. Right from the start, Paul makes it clear. He didn't want you just to know that Christ died. But he throws in three little words after that statement. For our sins. It's just as important to know that he died. To know that he died for our sins. For my sins. For your sins. Our sins and his death are directly connected. Our sins cause the need for his death. This takes it from just a cute Easter story to just a, 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 a parable or a fable or a, or a, a nursery rhyme or, or something we, we quote to our kids. This takes it from the news that someone died to someone died because of what you did. This personalizes a story. It's now part of my story. It's part of your story. This is our testimony. Those words personalize it. They bring it home. They make us own up to it. I caused his death. He died because of what I did. He died for me, for you, in our place. The three little words in that scripture that are written after Christ died, for our sins changes everything. It's one thing to hear in the news that somebody died. I know I'm starting off a little heavy, but it's going to end good. Amen. Just hang on. It's one thing to hear in the news. We, we hear it all the time, unfortunately. 
someone died in, a, in an accident today in this, this area of town, or, or somebody died, a soldier was in battle and, and died, and, and they're sending their remains home, and, and we hear of these things. Or there was a, a crime committed, or a murder. Or we can read in the paper all the obituaries and, and see that people died. But it's another thing to have someone come up to you and tell you that somebody died and then to follow it up with because of what you did. I didn't even know I did it. But something I did caused someone else to die. But then to hear they chose to die. As if they could see that in my future was a death. And they said, no, 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 I don't want him to die. And they said, I want to die in his place. I want to speed up around this intersection and take that accident on for him. I'm going to pay the price. Because of something I did. That would be awful to hear. But then to hear that they, cho they chose to die in my place. And I didn't even know them. Uh, we can't even comprehend that. But I don't want you to stop at the how of the death. Well, we focus so much on the crucifixion. We need to know about it. We need to hear about it. We need to study it. We need to hold it close to what happened on that cross. But don't stop there. We, we don't stop at the what? The cross. Yes, look at it. Hold on to the power of the cross. I am not negating it in any way. But I want you to know an even greater. Even greater than the how and the what. I want you to know the why. The why Paul wrote because of our sins after that statement. I want you to know the why. It wasn't for his sins that he was punished. It was ours. It wasn't the guards that put him on the cross. It wasn't the nails that held him there. As we've heard so many times, it was his love for you and for me. John 10, 18, I don't have it in the scriptures there. It says, no man takes this life from me, but I lay it down of myself. Jesus' words. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to pick it up again. This command I received from my Father. John 15, 13. Greater love is no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. We've preached this for many years. No greater love. I've always looked, I've shared this before in our church, I've always looked at this as what Jesus did on the cross. I've always thought that this was the love that he displayed and he showed. That he laid down his life for his friends. And that's true. But I also believe it's saying so much more. That this is the best love that can come from mankind. To lay down his life for his friends. We've seen it happen. We've heard the stories. Somebody jumping on a grenade or jumping in front of somebody when they're about to get shot. Laying down their life for their friends. That's awesome. That's an awesome thing. But God has greater love. He laid down his life for everyone. For his family, yes. For his disciples, you better believe it. For his friends, yes. But even for those we would consider to be his enemies. For the very ones that crucified him. For that soldier that took that big rugged hammer and hammered a spike through his hands and feet. He died for him. For the skilled torturers that could whip a man to the very edge of death. And beat him till he was almost dead, but just alive enough alive to make it to the cross. He bled and he died for them. For the one that hammered the crown of thorns and mockery 
onto the king of the Jews' head. He died for them. For those who passed by him, hanging on the cross and mocked him, and even spit at him, he died for them. For the religious leaders that thought they orchestrated the whole thing, he died for them. And for men and women afar off that never even knew him, he died for them. It was for you and for me. See, the best love a man can give is to lay down his life for his friends. But God loves and give and gave his life, not just for his friends, but for everybody. He loves further. He loves deeper. He loves stronger. He loves longer than we could ever comprehend. His love calls out louder than hate, louder than prejudice, louder than fear, louder than doubt, louder than unbelief. His love is calling out to you. Above every addiction, above every habit, His love calls out to you today. This Easter Sunday, hear the voice of the death. His love displayed for you through His death. Romans 5 Verse 7 and 8 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps a good man, someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's love shown in his death. I'm going to read the four verses out of four Gospels. One, one verse from each Gospel that share the death of Christ. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Listen to these words. Follow along if you have it. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Mark chapter 15, verse 37. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Luke chapter 23, verses 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. In John 19, verse 30, so when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. The death of Jesus. Now I pass it on to two of the best preachers I know and have grown up under. My brother Paul... And my dad, I'm going to sanitize this microphone for him right here. God bless you guys. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sorry, brother, the anointing in my life would kill any germs, you know. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verses 50 to 56. It says this. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and he wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, where never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after. And behold the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's, it's interesting when you think about the, uh, the burial. Okay, we got tons of songs for the, the death. We got all kinds of rejoicing songs for the resurrection. There's not a lot of songs about those few days. But those few days must have been the longest days of their life. And in our life, just like in the natural world, there's seasons. And maybe you're in a season right now, you think the word is dead. You know, at a cemetery, I don't tell my kid, hey, let's go play catch in the cemetery. You don't do that. It's a solemn place. It's a quiet place. You ever notice sometimes silence is so loud. And maybe with this whole COVID-19 thing, and you've been stuck in your homes, and maybe you don't have a lot of family or friends, maybe you think that God doesn't know where you're at. I'm here to tell you he does. And just because you think he's silent, or because you think he's dead, he's silent, God is speaking in the silence. And I want to just touch base about Joseph of Arimathea. It says that he put him in his own sepulcher. Now, if you look at the other Gospels, they all kind of say the same, but add a little bit of this and that. And here we find out that Joseph, some time ago, doesn't say when, but there was a time that he must have walked by some piece of land and said, you know, I want that. And he decided to buy that. And maybe he came home and, and told his wife, I just bought a piece of land and it has a big old rock in it. And I don't know, I, I, I kind of want to dig it out and, and make a tomb for us. I'm sure he knew or thought it was for him. So as he begin digging this out. And it takes some time. I don't know if you've ever dug before, but digging is hard work, let alone cutting out rock. It's hard work. There are seasons in our life it's going to be hard. And maybe you're in that time right now. It's hard. It says over and over about Joseph that he waited for the kingdom of God. That tells me something about this man. It says he was just. He was good. He didn't vote for Jesus to be crucified. But he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Meaning there was, he knew there was something coming. That there was something more. And I have this feeling when he was digging out this grave, digging out this tomb, digging out in this rock, that there was times he took a break. And he was drinking some water and he was looking at it. He said, there's something about this place. See, he was waiting for the kingdom of God, but he was doing something in the meantime. I know it feels like we can't do a lot, but there is a lot of time that we have that we didn't have before that you can find yourself praying and seeking God's face. And getting into his word. While you're waiting, we need to be digging. And maybe you think it's for yourself, 
but it's not. This place that he was, he spent money on, he spent time on, he sweated over, was only going to be used for three days. I'm thankful we don't see the end sometimes. I think we would have talked ourselves out of what God was saying to us when he said, when he, he spoke to Joseph, I want you to buy that land. And I want you to start digging out a hole in that rock. If we would have known it'd be for somebody else and for only use for three days, we'd say it wasn't worth it. But I'm here to tell you that tomb was worth it. To this day, millions of people travel to go see an empty cave from all over the world that, that was only used for three days. When we are in obedience, it will affect us and it will affect the whole world. When we're in obedience. You might not understand it. Why am I digging out this rock? Why did I buy this place? I felt like I should, but there will be times you will doubt the word of the Lord over your life. But deep down inside you know there is more. There's more. Sometimes we think the word is dead, but it's not. The Bible says the heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord shall never pass away. While he was waiting, he was digging. What are we doing? What are we doing while we're waiting? See, this whole COVID thing su surprised us, but it did not surprise God. I believe when everything's said and done, I tell you what, every church is going to be filled. I, I tell you, I've missed coming in fellowship with the saints. It's funny how we don't realize what we have until we don't have it for a while. And so storms come in our life. I was just thinking about this actually over the weekend. I got this big old oak tree beside my, my house. And through the years, you know, you have storms and nothing happens. But then there's a, a specific storm. You might not even think it's that big of one. All of a sudden a limb comes down. Right now i got a limb hanging. It, it, it hasn't fallen all the way, so I'm not parking beside it. Because sooner or later, there's going to be a strong enough wind to bring it down. And it's funny because you, you think about it like, man, there were some storms that I've had that nothing happened. Why did it take that one specific storm? The Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And maybe this is a time that God's kind of trying to get some junk out of our lives. There's nothing about, nothing like creating some sweat. I don't feel like I've ever, if you work out or exercise, if you don't sweat, you don't feel like you've done much. We need to get into this word. Get into what God is saying. Start digging. I know it's hard. It's a hard place. But there's something more. I know it's, it's only for a corpse, but it's, not just any ordinary corpse. This tomb was special. When Joseph walked by it, he chose it. 
He spent money on it, time, and no one else laid in it before Jesus, and no one else laid in it after Jesus. <laughs> Once he touches something, it's never the same again. Once he touches your life, you're never the same again. I am not the same person. And, and by the grace of God, I keep changing more and more every day. So I'm not the same Christian I was before. But the more you stay hungry for God, the more he changes you. And it's so important about the burial. See, the burial testifies that someone died. When you go to the cemetery, you, all those people have died. You look at the markers, you see where, when they were born, you see when they died. I had a best friend that actually lived with me and my mom and dad's house for, for a while after high school, and he was killed. And there was times in my life I would go visit that cemetery and go and stand and find his tombstone and look at it. Kind of study it out. Now, it's been a while since I've been there, but when I was there at those times, I'd kind of reflect and go over things in my mind and wonder what life would be like with, if he was still alive. And it's, I wonder if that was going on in the disciples' hearts and lives as they were hiding while he was dead. Now, Joseph... What else was interesting about him? It says about him that he was a disciple and a follower of Christ in secret, it says in one gospel. He secretly followed Jesus. But then we find, you know, he didn't vote. He, he voted against, you know, he didn't vote for Jesus being crucified. But when Jesus was being crucified, somewhere in the crowd was Joseph. And I believe he had a revelation. While Jesus was being crucified, a revelation came to him. Now I know why. I spent years digging out this tomb. All of a sudden, he got a revelation understanding. That's why. And a man that was said that he followed him in secret found himself in front of Pilate. Pilate! I'm begging for Jesus' body. What? Here's a man that was secretly following him, and now after a revelation of what he was doing all this time, he, he, he did not care what people thought no more. He went in front of everybody, Pilate, and it says he begged for Jesus' body. He wasn't going anywhere until Pius said, go ahead, take it. Don't be so easily moved when God has told you and given you a revelation. Don't be so easily moved by the crowds of what other people think. Not only did he beg uh, for the body of Jesus, the Pilate, but guess what he had to do? He had to get his body off the cross. 
And it says in the in the Bible that he was so beaten that you couldn't recognize the man. I know we've seen these pretty little pictures of a little bit of blood on his hand, his feet, but it says he was beat so bad you didn't know who he was. So when he drugged, you know, got Jesus off the cross, Joseph got bloody. We got to get bloody sometimes. It's not going to be pretty at times. But when you're hungry for the kingdom of God, you know it's here. Sometimes you're just going to have to grab the body and hold it. And you, you know when he came home, his wife was like, what in the world happened to you? Do people recognize when you get close to Jesus? Do they recognize that there's something different about you and me? There should be when we're hungry after the kingdom of God. And know what's cool about this? It doesn't say it here, but in the other Gospels, it said Nicodemus also helped Joseph get the body of Jesus off the cross. Here's Nicodemus who would go talk to Jesus in the midnight hour when no one else was watching. He would secretly go talk to Jesus. Here's two men who followed after Jesus afar off. But when everything came down and Jesus died, they were right there dragging that bloody corpse down and carrying him into a, a, a tomb. The disciples weren't there. Mary and them weren't there. It was two men who supposedly was following Jesus from afar. But when the revelation came, they were getting their arms and hands and bodies bloody and putting him into a tomb. That's why we must stay digging. You don't know what it's for sometimes, but there'll come a moment, an illumination, and a revelation of what, what you were spending all that time for. And you're going to be thankful you did. You notice he didn't have to fight for the body of Jesus. No one else was saying, hey, no, no, I prepared something over here. No, God ordained him for such a time as that. He told Joseph, no, I want you to prepare a place. Are you preparing a place? Are you preparing a place for the Lord? Hmm. Hallelujah. Are you still wanting the word when the world is saying it's dead? I just heard a, a, a statistic yesterday with this whole, ever since this whole COVID thing came across, that there are manufacturers uh, that, that uh, print out the Bible, like Tyndale and other ones that said that the Bible sales have risen higher than they have seen in many, many years. People are going to the Word again in this time. That's where you're going to find your help. That's where you're going to find peace. As my brother said, that's where you're going to find the answer. Everyone's looking for the answer. It's in the Word of God. We find everyone's buying Bibles like never before. And so, when we're, we think it's, going to be used for one thing and God has a different plan. Sometimes it's different than what we think. And that's all right. We want God's plan. I know you were digging it for your own family or your own use, but but when you get a revelation, you don't care no more. <laughs> I don't care. 
as well be obedient. And there had to be an, a tomb, an empty tomb for Jesus to go into so Jesus could empty it. <laughs> Jesus had to fill it to empty it. He had a place, he had, he had to fulfill scripture. Prophecy had to be fulfilled. It was all part of the plan. I know it was only for a couple of days, but it's still part of the plan. And it's not insufficient. For thousands of years, people are still talking about it. That's what makes Jesus so different than anybody else. And even the Pharisees knew that there would be power in the resurrection. That's why the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, come on, we, we remember what this Jesus said. And if he, if he raises, it's going to be worse than before. And it's interesting that they remembered, but the disciples don't remember. I wish we would remember the word of the Lord. It would save us a lot of grief, a lot of heartache, a lot of stress, a lot of frustration. If we would just remember what Jesus has said to us. And Jesus told them many times. It wasn't just one time in passing. And the Pharisees didn't hang out with, with him as much as the disciples. But here the Pharisees caught on to that. And knew how powerful it would be if he were to rise. We need to remember what the word of the Lord says. Now there's one other point I want to uh, point out in the scripture I read. It said that the women followed. And they beheld the tomb. How he was laying. And he went and prepared. The women, Mary and them, were watching where Joseph and Nicodemus was laying the body. Are you watching where the word is going? Are you watching where the word is going? And when they saw where the word was, it says they went and, and prepared. We got a lot of time right now. Are you preparing? Are you preparing? for what God wants to do in your life. One thing I've been tired of, and I know you got to be too, every day we're hearing a report of what this coronavirus is doing, how it's spreading, how it's killing, where it's going, making up grass. I'm tired of it. It's time that we get some leadership in the church and start rising up and saying how big our God is and how he's spreading and touching people's lives and, and uh, healing the sick and setting the captive free and the drug addict set free. It's time we start rising up every day and say, look what Jesus is doing. This corona is not bigger than Christ. But if it, but you become what you look at and see and you get that fear. And let me say something about fear. Faith isn't faith unless you have fear. <laughs> I mean, if I were to sit on, on one of these chairs, that doesn't, I don't have to have faith. I know it's built for it. But if, if I knew my, you know, 10-year-old son built it, I'd be like, you know, a little scared to sit on the thing. But in order for faith to be faith, there is fear around. I'm telling you, you have to have faith. And you got to keep digging in what God has told you to do because our risen Lord has given us life and life more abundantly. So I'm going to leave you with that. God tells you to go buy something, start digging. Just keep digging. Just keep digging. 
You don't know how it's going to change the world. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I really appreciate what God is doing, uh, preaching with my sons, and James is in Ohio preaching, and I just thank God for the heritage that God is doing. But it starts with somebody. It starts with Jesus, of course. And uh, as Matt had suggested or said that uh, this coming week will be our 35th anniversary, yesterday was my spiritual birthday, April 11th, 1976, I got saved. The night I got saved, it saved not only me, but it saved my wife and my marriage and my family. We have more now than we ever had before. And uh, even though 35 years ago we started with 12 people in the church, we have less than, we had 10 today <laughs> physically, but we have much more that's out there listening and seeing uh, this message because Jesus Christ is faithful and he is the resurrection and the life. Let me start off with this, is that we have to have proof. Uh, the greatest proof of Jesus being alive, being the Messiah, was the resurrection. Our redemption and our salvation depends upon the resurrection. Because we can have the death and we can have the burial. If there's no resurrection, then there is no salvation. There is no life to be had. No resurrection, no salvation. The resurrection, listen to what I'm going to say, is not an event. The resurrection is the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. I mean, we celebrate the, res the event, but we need to celebrate Jesus. He's the one that made it all happen and gave us purpose for all of those things. And one thing I want to say before I get into my message is that Paul said that fear of uh, Faith is greater than fear. But let me just say this to you, that love is greater than fear. The purpose that Jesus went to the cross, went to the grave, came to the resurrection, was because he loved you. And there was a time, if I could say it this way, and I know it may sound contradictive, but there was a time that Jesus feared this thing because he was still man. He had to fight within himself to really get the word of God, the will of God, down inside himself. And that happened in Gethsemane. He prophesied about it all these times. Many times he told the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was told to him by Moses and Elijah the things he was going to face. But you know what? We can hear you're going to face certain things until the day you face it. And you've got to have the courage enough to face those things. But you know, we, we face all these things because Jesus made it possible for all of us. Jesus is the resurrection. The death, burial, and the resurrection is the gospel, the good news to us who believe without seeing. Jesus told of these things several times in the scriptures, but he always ended them with, but on the third day, I will rise again. Isn't it amazing? There's, we can remember all of this except that third day experience. We know all this is going to happen, but something is going to happen on the third day we didn't recognize. And even the people that hurt the most missed it. As, as Paul said, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they heard, the chief priest heard this. They didn't realize it at the time, but something happened. When he, when they saw the fulfillment, when they saw the, heard the words he said on the cross, they got fearful. 
We're going to do everything we can to stop this. Jesus finished the work on the cross. He rested in the grave and defeated the devil there. And on the third day, he rose. On the first day of creation, God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. On the first day of the week, Jesus Christ rose as the light of the world. There's a new life, a new life to be happened. On the first day of the week now is known as the Lord's Day. The Christian Sabbath was instituted in remembrance of the perfect work of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. That's why we celebrate on Sunday, because that's the day that he arose. There's a reason for us. He arose as it began to dawn that day. Jesus arose when the day uh, was beginning to dawn, when everything was just coming to light. You know, early morning, many people turn around today and had sunrise service. I remember my mom used to love it. She used to love sunrises. Come on, let's go to sunrise service someplace and, or stand outside as the sun comes up to remember what he's done for us. And it seems like all of those days, we had some great sunrises. Uh, Pastor John Orn from Union City has been doing a sunrise service for, I don't know, 20 years. He's been down there. And uh, he said a couple times it snowed. <laughs> it was cold up on top of that hill. I talked to him this week, and he, he said he was, he was uh, having a, a difficult time getting everybody together, but he may do it at his house. So we'll see that a little bit later. But he arose as the day began to dawn. Jesus arose to start the day and start the week and start our life. And he is the day spring of our life. He's the one that starts everything for you and me. Now, some people think that Jesus became the resurrection that day, but they are totally wrong. If you look at John chapter 11, verse 25, when he's having a conversation with Martha, about her brother Lazarus who has died, and she's beginning to make excuses. Yeah, I know someday he will arise. Someday this will happen. I want to tell you something about Jesus Christ is our someday. He is today. He is today, yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. But he said something to her when she was complaining to him in verse 24 of 11. It says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Everybody is talking about the future when we have it right now. See, we're not promised tomorrow. He has that into, into his hands, in control. But Jesus said this. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he, shall he live. This is so important. And Jesus said, this, I, we're saying Jesus is the resurrection. But he said, no, no, there's more to the resurrection. I am the resurrection and I am the life. You see, I need to have life today. When Jesus Christ came into my life, April 11th, and that's what Matt was saying, he died for my sins. And that day he eradicated, removed, re uh, gave me remission of my sins when he came into my life, when I asked him. Now let me just say this to you, and many people uh, have talked about this. He died for the world. But if the world doesn't accept them, you have no life, either now or later. We need to understand that he has something for us to have today. So Jesus said, he, he said, I'm the resurrection life. Jesus was always was and is the resurrection. He did not die to become what he always was. He always wasn't. 
He always was the Son of God. He always was the Christ. In Matthew 28, it speaks about the women who came to the grave that morning that they may prepare his body for burial. And I believe this. They re- then they realized, who's going to remove the stone? You know, when they left after Joseph and, and Nicodemus, they, they put their stone over the grave. They left. And they didn't realize that the guards were put in place. They weren't there that night. But it comes on a little bit later. And I, they, they come and who's going to remove the stone? So let me just say this about the first part. In Matthew 27, verses 62 to 66, and, and Paul mentioned to this, and I think it's important for us to understand, that it says that next day of all the preparation, the chief uh, priests and Pharisees came to Pilate. Say, sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the scripture, the scripture, or sepulcher, excuse me, be made as sure until the third day. Least his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he's risen from the dead. So the heir, now listen to this, so the last heir shall be worse than the first. They already know they made a mistake. Isn't that amazing? They already know they should have never killed the king of glory. Then Pilate said to them, I'm going to give you your watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. Oh, woo. Make it as sure. I'm going to tell you something. No matter what the world does, there's nothing going to stop Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to make it as sure as you can. That is so powerful in our lives. And then we come to, uh, we, we say, I like what he says. Listen to what Pilate said, and that's so powerful. Now, in Matthew 28, verses 2 through 8, it says something. It speaks about the women. Uh, it says, and uh, behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. For fear of him, the keepers did shake, that's the guards, and became dead men. I love that, falling out in the Holy Ghost. Man, the presence of God came in. Even unbelievers can't stand in the presence of God. And the angel answered to the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. said, Come and see the place where the Lord lies. Go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you in Galilee. And there you shall see him, and I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to give the disciples word. They didn't know how they were going to move the stone, but the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, but it was to let the women in. The stone didn't, didn't bother Jesus whether it was there or not, but it was removed for you. Let me ask you a question. The stone of our sins, the weight that holds us down, has been removed because Jesus is risen. We're coming out of the graves. The angel sat upon the stone to show that all the powers of death and darkness are under the control of God, the light and the life. In Revelations 1.18, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. I love this. He has the keys of hell. When he went to hell, when he went to the grave, 
He went to hell and spoiled the, the presence of Satan. He took his own, he took his keys. Satan can't even lock his own door. Now the Bible talks to us about when you want to spoil a man's house, you got to be stronger than that man. Jesus is stronger than the enemy, than the devil, and all his cohorts, and all those things. He put them to an open shame. In Matthew 28, 8 through 11, it says, Jesus met the woman who were going back to disciples. He appeared to them. They become the witnesses of his resurrection. Here are some of the witnesses that we have that saw Jesus alive that day. The women at the tomb, the two men on the road of Emmaus, the upper room, he appeared to the ten disciples. A few days later, he appeared to, to the eleven and to Thomas. And in chapter John chapter 20, this is, this is really a great scripture for us to, to really realize. Thomas had heard that Jesus was alive, but you know what? Even from his fellow disciples, they didn't believe him. You know, when, when my sons tell me they got a revelation of something in the Bible, I want to believe them. Now, if it's written in the Bible, I'll also search it out and get my own revelation with it. But they gave me some faith. They gave me some hope. They gave it to me. Can you imagine that ten people turn around and say, we've seen the Lord. He appeared last week. He was here with us, and he ate bread with us. And we, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You know, sometimes things happen in our life that are so phenomenal, it's hard for us to believe that it could happen. And Thomas had told him that he wouldn't believe unless he saw. In verse 26, it says this, And, and uh, after eight days, Jesus came uh, with the disciples again, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, opened the, the doors were shut, and uh, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, do you know that Jesus knows what you say even though he didn't hear it personally? He knows the things that goes on in your heart, your life, the things you've said. I mean, remember when Sarah uh, heard the angel say, you know, the Lord say to her, You're gonna, you and Abraham are going to ch- have a child, and she laughed. She said, I'm 90 years old and my husband's 100. Come on, we're past that time. I, I had that promise when I was in my 60s, but not now. It's hard for us to believe that. And he says, reach here, Thomas. Reach your finger and behold my hands. And reach here your hand and and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You are the blessed of the Lord because you've seen, you believe, and you haven't seen. We want to have that time in our life. There's things I, I want to see. But you know what? I have to depend upon the faith that God gives to me about his word. We have, we're more blessed because we believe and we haven't even seen. One thing about the resurrection Jesus Christ is the only one that's ever risen again, never to die again after death. There's not one other religious leader who has died and came back to life never to die again. Not one other religious leader beaten as Jesus was and died and rose to life again. If those you follow and believe in are dead, so then is your faith. The dead cannot help you. Only the one who's defeated 
death can help you. Only Jesus Christ is the one that's risen never to die again. Jesus is the only one. Why? Because he is God. Matthew 28, 18. If you turn to that scripture with me. This is a great scripture. 28, 18. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. There's no power other than Jesus. There's no power greater than Jesus. There's no name greater than Jesus. All power is given to Jesus. Why? Because he overcame all things. He's even got the keys of, of, the, of hell and death. Now listen to this little statement. Again, the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person, Jesus Christ. He always was the resurrection. Because he had a destiny, he came here with a purpose. Do you have purpose in your life? Of course you do. And you're born for such a time as this. There are a lot of things going on in our life today that are difficult to handle. But let me just tell you, you're called to be an overcomer. And unless you have something to overcome, you'll never be an overcomer. We're overcoming these times that we're living in. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ is in your life? I know I am. And that's how I can face tomorrow. That's how I can face today. We may not get out of this for a few months totally. But you know what? Every day, and I told my wife this morning coming in, I said, you know, this has been the longest month and it's only the 12th. This seems to be the longest month we've had, and it's only the 12th. But let me just tell you, let me tell you and tell you, Jesus Christ is our future. I don't look to the government for everything. I don't look to them for the the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And he will help us in all those things. So he came with a purpose. He came to defeat sin. He came to defeat death. Many people are afraid of dying, and they're afraid of death. He came to defeat the grave. People fear the darkness of things, but he came to show light to all of that. He came to defeat hell. He came to defeat the devil. He has become our victory. All of this shows us and demonstrates to us that he is our God and our Lord and our Savior. Jesus is our Redeemer for all of these things that have attacked and worked against our life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Satan, the Pharisees, the chief priests tried to destroy him, defeat him, and to kill him. But you cannot kill God. No matter what form he takes, In order to bring us victory, he has risen and he is alive today. And because he lives, I live in victory. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And that's what you have today. The hope of the resurrection. The reason that he went to the cross and the grave. The the hope that he gives to us, that he's spoken about all his life. He performed it and he did it. He's the resurrection and he's the life. And what you need today is to walk and to live in the resurrected life that comes in believing 
and asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord, your God, and your Savior. Let's pray for that right now. Where you're at right now, just bow your head. Ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Repentance means I turn 180 degrees around in my mind, my heart, my attitude toward God, toward life. Lord, I want your way. Jesus, you said you're the way, the truth, and the life. I want that way. I want that truth. I want that life. I want that resurrection power. I want to come out of the darkness and the power of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life today. Remove the stone over my heart. Release me, God, from death. Release me from the barrier. Release me from my sins. Come into my life. Shine your light in me. Forgive me, Jesus. Let your life be in me. I ask to God that you today would write my name in your book of life and announce before the hall of heaven that today I belong to you. That's what the scripture teaches us. That you tell all the world as you did on April 11th, 1976 to me, Paul Friend belongs to me. The angels in heaven rejoice over one who comes to the Lord. And the angels will rejoice over you today. And they'll declare, no longer are you dead, but you've risen. He's not here. She's not here. She's not in the grave. She's come alive. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you can rejoice today in the power and the life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, God, your blessing over your, our congregations throughout this world, your people. I pray, God, your blessings over this nation and you would give us the, the wisdom and the ability to take care of these diseases as you've helped us. We ask, God, your protection, your wisdom, and your counsel. And we pray, God, that the church of Jesus Christ would arise to the occasion, not waiting till when everybody says it's okay, but there are things that we can do to prepare for the day that we're released to be able to come together again. There are things that we can do to prepare for that and things that we can help with. We ask God your hand to be upon your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Shake hands, be friendly. Oh, we're just for us. We can't do that. Rejoice in the Lord. Raise your hands and give God a wave. God bless you. Have a great week.